Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ignorant Bliss. This is your host and creator, Julian Lytle. My intros kind of change up depending on how I feel about what I want to say. So this episode, I talked to my friend and pop cultural critic colleague, Roxana Haddadi, about Westworld season three. I recorded this right after the ending. Then I kind of forgot about it because the world went to crap. So you're not going to hear a bunch of talk about police brutality and all that type of stuff. But we do talk about Westworld, this connection to Cyberpunk, Blade Runner, and um, also shows like Devs and overall thoughts on how the season worked out. Somehow its similarities to um, Mr. Robot. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow the show on Twitter at IGBL Podcast. You can follow Roxana at Roxana R-O-X-A-N-A underscore H-A-D-A-D-I Roxana underscore Haddadi. Uh, she writes for a whole bunch of places. Uh, a lot, mostly Pajiba. She also do uh, AV Club from time to time. She's all over the place. Great critic. Um, Patreon. Thank you for all my patrons who support the show. Um, it is patreon.com slash Julian Lytle. Uh, leave any room. Positive review. Actually, just every type of review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on most of the podcast places, especially the main ones, which is becoming Spotify, along with Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and all that type of stuff. I do hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't watch the season, maybe it makes you watch the season. If you stop watching the show, if you watch the show, let me know if you agree. Email ignorant blisspodcast at gmail.com and I'm going to stop talking now and enjoy the episode peace uh, eating good food and uh, writing a lot I mean, pretty much. Yeah. It's just like every time I think that there's a day where I'm like, oh, maybe today I can just do nothing. It's like, oh, no, actually, you have to do something. So, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good. It's just also very tiring and I'm tired. <laughs> we should make your money. Uh, I sort of. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like I'm writing more stuff, which is good and fine. And sometimes some of it hits like this very random Allison Roman piece that just sort of blew up, but I don't know, man. Oh, it blew up? That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So You've been sharing up. it, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. This random white lady is is trash because she uses all the spices. Yeah, and like, the thing that's so interesting too is that I really did appreciate that you and Travis both were like, we don't know who the hell this woman is, because it's like, you know how your corner of Twitter can just become like, overwhelmed by something and then you realize that like nobody else knows who this person is so like, it's definitely blown up with people that I know online, which has been good but it was also helpful for both of you to be like, we don't know who the fuck this woman is, because then it puts in perspective like what she's doing is bad and she's still annoying, but it's not that she's at like Bobby Flay levels of like, everybody knows who she is. You know what I mean? So I that also was... think that, um, white people steal more of, uh, middle Eastern and South Asian cooking spices mm-hmm. to seem like they know how to, to season stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, I gotta be honest. A lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the cooking and the food from your, from your culture and cultures that are adjacent to it, a lot of black Americans ain't never eating it. Cause it's like, I don't know mm-hmm. what that is. And yeah. that doesn't, and, and we don't have a problem with like having unseasoned food. Mm-hmm. Every, every, every culture, except for white American culture and like United Kingdom, white people that they don't know how to cook. Right. Without stealing from other people. Right. And I think it's one of those things, too, where it's like like French cuisine has become like, you know, the height of like 
the highest of the high, right? It's like, if you're going to be a chef, like you're expected to like know how to cook that food and like all that shit. And like now we're also getting to the point where it's like, okay, but how is French food still like the highest echelon when we have still expanded like people now realize like oh like chinese food indian food middle eastern food like this shit shouldn't be cheap just because you don't want to pay for it so i feel like there is a little bit of movement going but still to your point it's like the conversation is still being led by certain white people who can like take ingredients and claim that like you don't have to know the background you can just use this and it's like of course you can use it anybody can use it but it is it does make me notice when you know the new york times has all these recipes about like use harissa and use curry and use all this stuff and i'm just like it's yeah it's like wait what like i'm glad that those ingredients are becoming more well known but like if you don't understand, like, how is harissa different from chili paste or whatever, then, like, you probably don't want to find harissa. So it's just – it's one of those things that's very weird. It just feels like, you know – and what was interesting is, like, there was this interview with Alison Roman that I linked to in my piece where somebody asked her, like, what's your favorite grocery store? And she mentions this grocery store in – I think it's in Brooklyn. And it's run by this Lebanese family and they've owned it for, like, decades or whatever. And it was so interesting to me that the – interviewer didn't ask like oh sahadis like it's not like she said like whole foods or wegmans like she clearly answered like a very specific middle eastern grocery mm-hmm. store and it's like the interviewer didn't ask like oh what do you like about that place do you know what i mean like it's like that's it's just- old brooklyn before because wh- that's from old brooklyn before white people liked it and moved in and gentrified it like yeah you know there was a bunch of lebanese people a whole bunch of other people eating from there getting the good spice they're probably like some Jamaicans getting some ill stuff for the jerk chicken mm-hmm. and all that or for the beef patties. And then like all these places is probably using it. But that was like the Brooklyn of ages ago. Yeah. Like when you look at sex in the city, they're like, why would you ever live in Brooklyn? Now it's yeah. like, why would you ever live in Manhattan? Brooklyn is where to be. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? This is weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you white mm-hmm. folks, man, these white folks. Yeah, these white folks, man. But yeah, I just, I literally like, I'm like, who is this, and who disrespected Chrissy Teigen, and and I'm like, man, this is wild. So it was showing up on your feed. You just didn't know who she was. was. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, who disrespected Chrissy Teigen? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand who this. I don't even know her last name. I don't know. I forgot her. Like, (laughs) I'm like, but Chrissy Teigen is more impactful. This, you see how she she be going to Trump. You know what I'm saying? She married to John Legend. She Mm -hmm. was just in David Chang's show where he was traveling with friends, and they went and ate some food. I like Mm -hmm. that. I like this lady. She's funny. She's pretty, but she's funny. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and then I'm seeing people like attack her because she's rich. I'm like, yeah, but rich brown people are different than rich white people. Like they had to like actually work and suffer. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, you she had to use like her physical, like her physical looks to get money to be able to do things she wants to do, even though like she's a whole person. You guys were just looking at the fact she's really skinny and she has a great figure. But like she had to get that, take all that, and do things she wanted to do. It's not the same as like this Allison lady who I know probably came from a decent income, from she a, did. Decent, a decent she life. Did. She, she came didn't from have money. To suffer. Yeah. yeah, she came from money. And I think the thing that's interesting too is it's like I saw, we'll talk about this for like one more minute and then yeah. we can talk about Westworld. <laughs> but it's like what was interesting to me is then I then saw, you know, like on Twitter, there's the backlash and then there's the backlash to the backlash. Yeah. So last night, the backlash to the backlash that I saw was people being like, you know, like if you're going to criticize Alison Roman for what she said, then you're missing the point. Like you should be criticizing capitalism and the system that allowed Alison Roman to flourish or whatever. And I was like, yes, you can always, like Adam and I talked about this. I was like, you can always criticize the system. Obviously the system is bad. Like if you're, if your ideology is like rich people shouldn't exist, then I can agree with you thinking, well, Chrissy has more money than Alison. So like to go after Alison is like bad or whatever. But to me, the point is not just that she went after Chrissy or Marie Kondo. It's about like the food culture that allows somebody like her to become elevated. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, 
yes, Chrissy Teigen has benefited from the fact that she was a supermodel. She's married to a rich person, whatever. Like, but that does not necessarily mean that her recipes don't come from her familial culture and ethnic heritage and all this stuff that somebody like Alison Roman can just ignore. Like she can become successful without all of that other so stuff that Chrissy Teigen yeah. needs to do. Yeah. So it's just like, it was very, it's always very weird to me to see like the waves of backlash for something. And honestly, like just to transition to like our Westworld talk, it does sort of make me think about Westworld because I feel like this season Westworld was doing the same sort of stuff that devs was doing on FX but I kept seeing all this praise for devs and people being like devs is amazing like the questions that's asking about free will and individuality are so good and I was like but Westworld is also doing this so it was very interesting to see the same people who were like devs is amazing also being like Westworld is trash because I'm like you have to acknowledge that like they're asking similar questions. Do you know what I mean? So it's always, it's always weird to me to see like how people react to things that are actually fairly similar, but how varied their reactions can be. So yeah, it's been, it's been weird to watch like the backlash. I feel like to this season of Westworld, Whoa. it's been weird. It's yeah. been weird. So who, wait, wait, I didn't watch Devs because mm-hmm. I chose to watch Dave. Mm-hmm. Very happy with my decision. Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. the wait Devs? Like who's the hero in Devs? Did you, so? Did you watch any of it or no? None no, of it. No, like I just want to know. Like I know the main char- one of the main characters is Nick Offerman, mm-hmm. and there's another main character, right? Like yeah, isn't like a woman. Yeah, it's a woman. Okay, so yeah, so Devs is from Alex Garland, who, you know, did like 28 Days Later and Annihilation and yeah, and Ex Machina and stuff like that. And yeah, so it follows, I mean, there are a few like quote unquote main characters, but for the most part, it follows this character named Lily Chan, who is played by Sonoya Mizuno, who was one of the, you know, like cyborg robot creations in Ex Machina. She's the one who does the dance. Yeah, Yeah, she does the dance. And so she works as a developer at this company um, that Nick Offerman runs. And then her boyfriend um, gets recruited by Nick Offerman's character to work for this very secret uh, department within the company. And the secret department is called Devs. And then after he is working there, he disappears. And um, then they find his burned body on the campus of this, you know, of this tech company. And so it follows Lily Chan as she tries to figure out, like, what happened to her boyfriend because she doesn't believe that it was a suicide. So it's following her as she's trying to figure out what happened to him. And then she begins to learn, like, what. Nick Offerman's character is really doing with this company and what is the super secret project that they're working on. And so um, it also deals a lot with questions of like free will and determinism and like, can you change the course of history? Can you change your destiny? Like what kind of impact do your personal choices have on like the fate of the world basically? Oh, so like, it sounds like a serious version of Silicon Valley. Um, sort I. of e. using the, using the, the basis of, tech companies to explore like themes it's not like the same story but it's like yeah this is our worries about the tech industry and the people involved in the tech industry yes it does definitely it sort of speaks to the fact that like a lot of tech stuff seems to be like super secretive and like we've read a lot of stories like in the New Yorker and tons of places about how like there are groups of people within these tech companies who think that they can like live forever. And so Mm -hmm. like it definitely sort of speaks to like that ilk of tech and how right now that seems like the industry that most believes that they can be, new age gods. So it is sort of doing a lot of the stuff that Westworld is doing in that Westworld this season. I also feel like was about like, how do you break out of a path that has been determined for you already? Like, what do you need to do to break that cycle? 
And so Devs was very much doing something similar. I do think you would like it, Julian. I do think you should watch it. But um, it's just been interesting to me to see how much praise was heaped on like one of these concepts and not on the other concept. How many black people are in Devs? Mm, I think you know the answer to that, which is I don't think any. I still think Westworld... I think the fact that if you really if you really get down to this point, the heroes of Westworld is Bernard mm-hmm. and Maeve. And Dolores was never the hero, even though she was a focal character. I think that has something to do with it. I mean, I think well, I think this is all like these are the questions that we ask about representation all the time, right? Because like Nick Offerman's character is very actually I will amend this. Nick Offerman's character is very clearly the villain and the most sympathetic characters you have in devs are Lily Chan and I believe that Sonoya Mizuno is Japanese so you do have some representation there but the character who actually makes like the best decisions throughout the show and is very much the voice of reason is played by Stephen McKinley Henderson who I'm sure if you saw him, you would recognize him. He's an older black actor. He was in the Wu-Tang show Mm, and he was in Native Son and he's been, he was in Lady Bird. He was in Manchester by the Sea. He was in Fences. Like he was in the newsroom. He is definitely one of those like older black character actors that if you saw him, you would realize exactly who he is. Oh yeah, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. That's my guy. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then Carl Glusman is also in it for like a second. Um, and he's married to Zoe Kravitz. I think Carl Glusman is biracial. I might be wrong. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yes. So I totally agree with you that I think that Westworld is more obvious in its conception of like, Dolores, this pretty white blonde woman is the bad guy. But I do think that devs still handles diversity in a thoughtful way, especially in the tech industry where we're so used to seeing this next white rich guy will save us. Oh yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that devs does a good job like subverting that. Oh, I'm not even knocking the show at that point. Yeah. I think there's a subconscious, there's a subconscious bias in in regards to the viewership and, and criticism. Like, I like I do think because to piggyback when we when the season started, you didn't even watch season two all the way, right? Like you had to go back. No, I finished it. I just didn't remember anything. You just didn't that remember happened. what happened because it was like yeah. that yeah. season was a puzzle, and I know a lot of people was like, "I hate season two. I'm done with this," and I got to the end of season two, and I was like. Oh, you're pivoting away from like the slavely Blade Runner thing mm-hmm. into this, yo, the algorithm. And it's like, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people didn't pay attention to it because I also think that's one of the main reasons why like people stopped talking about Mr. Robot is because mm-hmm. it started focusing on like the algorithm. And even though they had this weird other subplot with, uh, um, bd wong's character like this big ooh, like time travel thingy or portal like i don't know but in the end of it whatever this thing with devs is doing too is talking about like what are people doing with this data and how are they shaping us with this data and these apps and like the system of way capitalism works and can you actually stop it at this point like this season I didn't even I didn't like the first episode of season three. I thought it was a bad first episode. Like I said that publicly, like that dream was kind of trash. <laughs> but um <laughs> because all it did was play into like it played into the concept, it played into like what people wanted. Like I always say this this whole show is really based on like a bunch of like rich smart people played like Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto and was like yo, they are doing some really amazing things with these video games. Let's explore it through this old Michael Crichton movie. And like when I saw the first episode, it's just like, oh, Jesse guys, two black friends and they rob people and get money with secret missions. It's like, yo, I've played that. 
Like, yeah. oh, Dolores is like, she, she's not in a Western, so she got like a cute black dress on and she's like shooting people in the face and she's doing all this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I like that. I can play that. I look at this like, oh, yo, this shit is wild boring, yo. When I get like Maeve back and and when is Charlotte popping up and like, what the hell is Bernard doing? Like, this is trash. But like, as it got on, I really, like when we got to the middle, I really started to get it. Once they in, introduced Ciroc, I was like, okay. I like what y'all doing. Like, okay, like, let's really get into this. Like, is Ciroc a bad guy? Or like, is he is he doing what he's doing where you can see he's evil because of like humanity like was so trash that he's like, yo, somebody gotta fix it, somebody gotta be a bad guy. And I found that really I found that interesting. Like, I don't know if everybody liked it. What did you think about like the shift in tone of the show as it entered the quote unquote real world and the introduction of like Ciroc and this other company. I thought, I thought it was interesting because I think it keeps adding layers to the conversation of good versus evil. Like I don't always love the format of how Westworld handles things because as you mentioned with season two, season two to me felt so impenetrable because of the puzzle structure. So I did like that season three really, I mean, truly kept things more straightforward. You know, like, I don't think we had any time jumps. There was that theory going around about how, like, they're on two different worlds, Mm -hmm. which didn't really end up being the case. Like, I agree with you that it felt like they scaled back to initially give people what they thought they wanted, which was that, like, video game style. We're here to, like, fuck stuff up and fuck people up and blah, 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 blah. But then when they introduced Ciroc, it did again get to this question, which I thought the first season of Westworld did really well, which is what does your if you look at who you are on a piece of paper, would you recognize yourself and what kind of value do we give to various parts of our personality and to the data that creates you. And I think it's really interesting. Like I think Westworld can be very clunky and sort of clumsy in how it deals with that. Like a lot of the times I think they like beat you over the head with what their themes are, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to me because it's like, this is not that different from the world in which we live. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, none of this is different from like what they look at you, how they look at your data for like a house loan. Or how they look at your data for like a credit extension. Like, it's very interesting to me because you're right. It is dealing with these questions of identity tied into capitalism and tied into labor. And like, what does your personal labor mean to a greater system? And does it mean anything? You know, like they did something very thoughtful, I think, in sort of pivoting toward the end of the season to saying that Jesse Pinkman, like his choice is what would then like inspire a whole range of different choices. And so it's like, they sort of made him a hero figure, but all the crap that he had to go through to get there and how he was guided by Dolores. And so it's like, yes, I think Dolores was a villain, but were all of her actions justified in the same way with Ciroc? Mm -hmm. Yes. Ciroc is a villain, but is all of his actions justified? Like, I think they always do for all of Westworld's flaws. They always do a good job in making you wonder, well, do the ends justify the means? And I don't know, like, I don't know if we ever really get an answer about that. But certainly the way that they end the season is it's like Charlotte Hale's character is now up to something. And she really is going to be a melding of who Dolores was and who Charlotte was. So, again, we get this question of, like, what dictates who you are? Is it your mind or is it your body? And I think those questions are really interesting. And I feel like Westworld is like the only show that's asking them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and in a lot of ways, I do think like the lived experience, it was like, OK, um, because there was always this conflict, even though they never even really met at a certain point between like there was like in season two, there's the Dolores way, which at that time she was like Dolores Wyatt. And then there's like 
And then there was like the Mave way, which is like, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, like, I chose to like, I could have left and then I chose to be with, to get my daughter. And then like, she's not, she doesn't remember me. So I need to give her like freedom. And now I like, not only like, like uh, her freedom, but like our kind freedom. Like, mm-hmm. like Dolores went to on some like revenge of like, I have to tear their world down for us to be free. And then like Maeve went on this things like, yo, we could just leave. Yeah. And they really didn't even have a real actual conversation about this in season two, but was seeing those things go in the, in the middle. And then like the whole transformation of Charlie Hale from like a completely despicable character. And then like Dolores, Charlotte, Dolores Hale is interesting because it's like, she lives this experience as like this black woman with a child and like an ex-husband, but she really doesn't know what's going on. But like, like in a lot of ways, this was like the original life that Delo- that the original, well, quote unquote, maybe whatever the original Dolores was wanted to be right. Married with a family with Teddy left alone. But then like when she lost her losing, like the family and her not knowing who caused it is a really interesting dynamic on like what is she going to do she's like a just like how the season ends in like chaos like what's going to happen now like I don't it, it was really interesting to me like she knows all Dolores is playing but now like she doesn't she doesn't trust prime Dolores like she actually thinks like you killed you killed like people that didn't deserve to die you killed my family mm-hmm. like like fuck you and your whole plan like your whole plan is flawed like I, I like I found that interesting I also found the fact that Dolores is still the same person she was we watched in the first season even though they they tell us it's like she was remembering two things at once and mm-hmm. and like I never even got that I always took it as like that wasn't her perspective but that was William's perspective that we were seeing both things of. Mm-hmm. But it's like the fact her main program, Ford, what Ford put in her, like, like she, in a lot of ways, like she makes the man in black no matter what. Like, William changed things before when he was a young man and he went through the park. He was a white hat and he took the black hat, but then he did everything that changed Delos and then partnered up with Ciroc. So then she comes out to the real world. And she remembers this one soldier that didn't like that stopped them from basically being raped and pillaged. And then she basically through a hardship and an awakening, he starts wearing all black at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. It's like you that's what you do. You turn human men into like radical figures. And it's interesting because Maeve says that to her. Yeah. Maeve is like, you've done it again. So it's interesting, too, because it's like that sort of tells you, you know, I would be curious to rewatch it because I feel like William knew from the beginning that Dolores was a construction. Right. It's like he never treated her as a human being. And I think so much of his action And his reaction to her, I think, is almost built on the fact that he felt tricked. Like, he knew that she was a construction, but he almost sort of fell in love with her anyway. Mm -hmm. And so much of his reaction almost feels like self-hatred at himself for being duped by, like, this robot figure or whatever. So it's really interesting to see how his embrace of becoming the man in black is driven by this sort of self-hatred and feeling like... The robots are never going to be people, and he's angry at himself for almost considering that they could be. Whereas it's like with Caleb, you have the flip side of that where it's like he does have a shared past with Dolores that he can't remember. Mm -hmm. And when he meets her, he doesn't think that she's a robot or whatever. He just thinks that she's a woman who needs help. And so then how does his radicalized journey get changed by learning more about himself versus learning more about her. Because I don't feel like Caleb really transforms because he's like, oh, this woman's a robot and like she wants to change the world. I feel like what makes him transform is realizing like who he is within 
a system that doesn't care about him. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see how Dolores interacts with two people who are presented of totally different, like social class of totally different placement within like their locations and their world. And that she still, as Maeve says, like she still drives each of them to extreme action. So it's like, what does that say about how we interact with who we consider to be human or not when one of them knew what she was and one of them didn't and they almost still reacted in the same way? So like it's just it's very interesting to me. And like you said, it's like I don't know where it goes because like William is definitely dead. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Charlotte definitely kills him. But it's like so she made a version of the man in black who is inside that. Like, again, are we talking about taking if you're just all of your data or whatever? Is this version of William that she has created as the man in black just all of his data? Like, would it freak out in a new body the same way that like. Dolores freaked out in Charlotte's body and then sort of became like a new person. Like, it's just, it's interesting because now that you have established that your mind and your body don't always have to sync together, it makes me think like, what was so unique about Charlotte Hale or the version of Dolores that was put in Charlotte Hale that made her adapt and transform because I don't think we've seen them do that with any other character. Right. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing with the last non post credit scene of the season, or was that the penultimate, whatever, when you see, when you ever see William face his, like him and basically in white facing his dark self Mm -hmm. and his dark self winning was that like, Cause this was the thing, like you didn't remember what went on in season two, so mm-hmm. you had to rewatch it. And the, the one of the things I remember about season two was like, what the heck is going on with this post credit scene with William, like in the park, in the black, in the man in black outfit, through the dusty ruins of the like. How long is this? With did he go right. back? And it's right. like. Is this a fidelity test? How was like was he never actually him? Did he get killed and they made like a copy of him a long time ago, or did they make copies of people and then to basically get that payoff that like Charlotte set that emotion to make like the man in black version of him that took all his like based off of all like the 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 continuous times that he came for that one month to be terrible and put it in like one form to I guess to wreck havoc in the real world is like <sighs> it's interesting because then it, it kind of dis- it doesn't disprove but it seems like she perfected the problems that he was tr- trying to figure out with like bringing Delos back right. like how they continually tried to bring Delos back and it was just like once once the host version of Delos figured out he was like a host, he freaking like he broke and it's just like, oh, I failed again. But it seems like this version of William knows what he is and is a willing participant. And then like earlier, it's cause they doing a, a, basically a replay of the whole season today. Because I guess this is the first, this is the first week where it's not on. Yeah. Um, the beginning where they show kind of like, did they create, did she create the whole Charlotte out of the corpse of Charlotte? Right. Because they like, show like her skull. I'm like, like, wait, did she like clean Charlotte's body and build the whole st- structure over top of what was Charlotte? And that might make Dolores Charlotte different. Like, yeah. It's yeah, it's like there's some of the mechanics of like how they build the bodies that I don't know if the show wants us to analyze that deeply or how they think about it. But like at the end, when Charlotte and William are together or whatever, and then they reveal what looks like hundreds of other, you know, machines to be able to make 
versions of them is it makes me think like okay so then is charlotte now gonna stage an uprising like now that we're off of the park it's interesting to me to see do we go back to the park because i don't know where else would have all of those i thought this was like the basement of De- of the delos corporation okay so that would make sense yeah yeah like was, okay, they had yeah, okay. all those machines in there yeah because all this happens like right when Sirac takes over the company right because also- william gets out and yeah. then like makes his way down there yeah right. he's like what the hell like you know all this is basically happening like i'd be damned if i give Sirac my comp like my company after i know what he's doing mm-hmm and basically, I guess it's like she's starting something else, and then it's going to be an actual factual war between like host people and humans now who don't, who clearly don't give a fuck now. Like their whole. That's why I also think that like even though Caleb, I think Caleb is a heroic figure, but he's also like manipulated. Like yeah, the Lord yeah, yeah, still yeah. still destroys the world because like. Ciroc was doing some terrible things like, okay, I got to take these people out. I'm going to put them basically in cold storage like like the like we do with hosted, like quote unquote malfunction. So they don't mess up this this perfect world as perfect as it can be, which I guess perfect to him is like, oh, like a country won't basically like destroy another country. Like like I've gotten rid of terrorism. I've gotten rid of like countries fighting each other. I've gotten rid of like a system that like is capitalism, but everyone kind of knows their place and they end up with who they want to be with. And it's a, it's an understandable system. It's like, it's people talked about the matrix a lot. It's kind of like the matrix, but it's not like, right. But like, and, and the Lord's supposed to come in and break that whole thing. But for what ends it's like, just because people can choose like, what, what does that choose, mean? You can still choose to be an asshole. <laughs> like, 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 what does that mean? Like you, yeah. Like you haven't been alive long enough to know what choices people can make to each other. Like you're it almost like you sitting in this character, and like you know when we find out Sirac is basically just listening to like an AI. Like an AI is just he willingly gave himself to the AI. Like, like you understand the world through the fact that humans use you as playthings and you want to destroy to the point because you figured it out because of everything Ford did and, and Arnold but like almost like Ciroc's way it's like people was terrible to people before you even existed like like you don't like we don't like yeah it sucks what happening to you but like yo you have no idea what we do to each other like I it was all it's, it's He's epi- he's a, such an empathetic villain to me because it's like once they show his little childhood with his brother, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like, like what did happen in Fran- France? He's like, you kind of get ideas. It's like, oh, this sounds bad. Like, oh, what do you mean it was a civil war in Russia? And it's like, oh, so he got rid of all that. Oh, okay. Like, uh, uh, which one is better? Like, the freedom we see with the riot, or the like kind of freedom that he had people living in that was like okay they go to work they go on vacation and that's something that I, I think that the show is asking you to wrestle with like what is freedom exactly like can you deal with actual freedom is humanity built for freedom it should and who should have the choice like can we deal with deciding who chooses who are the leaders who makes these decisions do we want to know or not? Like, And like, what are you willing to lose? Yeah. Because I think something, it reminds me of the Matrix in the sense that like, you remember when Keanu goes and sees, oh God, I don't even remember. The guy in the all white, I don't remember the his architect. name. The architect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember when he goes and sees the architect and the architect is like, LOL, I've seen like dozens of messiahs before. Yeah. Like, you guys have tried this over and over again and it's failed. Like, one thing that I think that Westworld is sort of doing similarly, I think it's also asking that question of like, how do you, to quote Daenerys, like, how do you break the wheel? And like, what does that look like? And like, what does that mean? But the one thing that I agree with you that I think the Matrix sort of did this 
not better, but I think it added more context is I don't know in Westworld <clears throat> if we know, has anybody ever tried this before? And like, if someone has tried this before, like in how many different ways did they fail or like, what did Ford do differently this time to make Dolores like activate and decide to change? Like, I think that that sort of stuff is always a little bit confusing to me. And I think the show doesn't do as good of a job in making clear whether Dolores is like the creator of her own journey. Whereas in contrast, I think they've done a really good job with that with Maeve. And I think that's why like we've talked about like people think like Dolores is sort of the hero, but Dolores has always been the villain in terms of like <clears throat> her ideology is one of destruction, which I personally agree with. But in terms of like the show, they do make her villainous. Whereas I think Maeve's storyline, they've done a better job making her a reaction to like the control that was happening in the parks and her journey in terms of like, she chooses to come back for her daughter and for this chance at something deeper and more emotional. Like I think Maeve's storyline makes a little bit more of a clearer emotional journey for me. And I think that's why like looking ahead, it's like, I, I do think that maybe they find some way to bring Dolores back because I would legitimately be shocked if they like truly kill her off. But what's yeah, more interesting, she has so many copies. Yeah. Like it, it, I would be really fascinated by that. But what's more interesting to me is it's like, what happens with Maeve and is there a place for Maeve in the next chapter of this story, which I think focuses more on like the Charlotte Hale man in black, whatever they're doing, like whatever their long con is. But like, I'm very curious about like what's Maeve's role in this story moving forward and what's Bernard's role? Because like how much longer is it that he wakes up like all covered in dust? So I almost wonder, does the next season have two timelines? Cause like, I would think that whatever Charlotte and William are doing is still in this timeline. Whereas it seems like now Bernard has moved past where we are. So I don't know. Like, it's just, it, I feel like they left a lot of doors open and I don't know where all those doors go. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I almost think that like Maeve has to be in it because her bad guy is the man in black. Like the entire time we've watched the show, like her main memory is like the man in black killing her and like her daughter mm -hmm. and her need to save her daughter and her utter fear of, like, William is the man in black. But then she finds out he's just a man. By that time, she has, like, her superpower, which is, like, I can control the other hosts. I can access the network. I've evolved. And this is, like, you really ain't, you ain't nothing to me now. It'll be interesting now if she faces, like, a man in black that has all the strength and power as a host who can't easily die and I have a feeling that Charlotte put something in him that he won't be able to be controlled by, like, Maeve. Like, mm -hmm. she won't be able to... Like, the weird thing is going to be, like, uh, what, I, what I wouldn't mind seeing, which I don't know if I'll get, is now we'll have to have a conversation or meeting of Maeve motherhood versus Dolores Charlotte and motherhood, like two ways of dealing with loss of your child and like how do you reconcile that and like how do you and like warn against the world and I guess the key point is probably going to be like something with Bernard and the sublime like I always like I always liked uh the Bernard character and then finally wrapping up the whole like how much are you a Bernard and how much are you as Arnold with like right bringing back Arnold's wife and we're basically just seeing him as as Arnold and cause be or dementia or whatever, like getting that over it. And I almost think like, I, I almost think they need to bring back, um, Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> like as like some type of computer force ghost or something. Like, 
like there's too much like there's too much there's too many questions because I'm watching this now I'm like so you're telling me that okay the original Delos dude he had a daughter and William married his daughter he got into the company the son was a fuck up so he took over and he kind of became the real son because he took over the Delos company and he wanted to save his father-in-law and they partnered up with freaking Ford to help do this whole uh, this whole thing and then like you get to this it's like but how much did they know about how much did Ford know about Ciroc how right. much did they know about the first uh, AI and and then like how much like did you know about the second AI and did Ford come along to Arnold's way of thinking because he knew what Solomon and Rehoboth was like right. how much did Ford know how much did Arnold know? And I don't, that's just, if you're going to wrap this up, cause I don't see how long this show can go. I agree. I think next season has to be the last season. Yeah. It needs to wrap yeah. up in like 10. I give it 12 episodes, but it's like, this can't go forever. And I think they kind of know it can't go forever. And it probably didn't hit the way HBO wanted it to hit. Cause it got too confusing. It got too deep. It wasn't as catharsis as like Game of Thrones was at the time before it became trash. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think like you said, it is something a lot like Mr. Robot, where it seems like people react very strongly to the first season and the first season then obviously sets up a world that has to become more broad. And so then we're dealing with like more broad concepts and then that's when it begins like sort of losing people because Mr. Robot did sort of get up its own ass like for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I am interested in watching the final season to like see how it all comes together. But both of them, both Mr. Robot and Westworld are dealing with questions of like what what happens if you destroy everything that we're accustomed to? And I think something that sort of made me lose it with Mr. Robot as a viewer is it felt like as soon as they destroyed the system, the show didn't then become interested in like rebuilding a new system or what that looks like. Like it focused very much and I haven't watched the final season, so I don't know, but it focused very much in that like most recent season that I watched, which I guess was four about like how terrible anarchy was and like how bad the decision was for like five, nine to like break things down or whatever. And I was interested in like what comes next. And so if the final season does that cool, like I'm going to watch it anyway. So I'm excited yeah. for that. It's, but it's, I, it's a more cynical show than with people. Cause I think in the end, the, sh- the show, especially at that point where you stopped was almost like, this system has a backup system, which was the entire like the old fake money. Like, it's just going to make yeah. Bitcoin money. Like, and it will the system will fix itself so that people are still trapped. Like, we, we're still trapped. But I, I have a, I have a feeling that Westworld might be a little bit more hopeful. Even though I feel weird saying that about a um. Was Jonathan Nolan, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jonathan Nolan's. Because even when you get down to it, like the Batman trilogy ended, hopefully, but it still was cynical as hell. Batman had to die. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a those are those are a dark set of bat Batman movies thematically. So like, I'll I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on the final season. Of Mr. Robot has mm-hmm. some of the best acting in it, and um, but yeah, they do. It, it is interesting how these shows were both kind of darlings. And then everyone kind of turned on it and I think went with easier shows that actually don't deal with some of the issues in the world we're we're actually dealing with today versus some more universal themes of like maybe toxic masculinity and this type of stuff like that or, you know, women in the workplace. It doesn't get like those things need to be talked about, but Yo, the way in which capitalism works and the way in which tech companies and data is working within that system needs to be explored, especially with the way we use these apps and these phones and the fact that I can say something and then I get ads like instantly. Well, I think I think the reality, though, and like you and I have talked about this before, is like I don't know where sci fi fits within our pop culture landscape right now. Because I feel like people are like super burnt out and uninterested in 
like how bleak shit really is. So even though there's like a lot of really powerful sci-fi happening, I don't think it is connecting with people anymore because like it feels too, it simultaneously feels too abstract and too real. You know what I mean? Like, I think people watch Westworld and think like, this could never happen. And it's like, this is already happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or like, like, you know, like, robots are going to be happening. the next slaves. Like, robots are going to be the next right. slaves because it's like, right. you guys are too expensive. That's the future of work. Like, sorry. Well, Blade Runner was right. <laughs> well, and like, how do you not realize when, and maybe people do realize it and they just don't want to be entertained in that way. But like, all the jobs that have been lost because we're going to like, you know, to robotics and computing and all that sort of stuff. Like that's already happening. So I can understand if like you don't want that in like your entertainment or your media or whatever, but like there's still questions that are worth exploring about like, where do we go? But I think, I just think that people's interest in sci-fi just is not there anymore because even something like altered carbon like the first season of altered carbon i thought at least seemed like it got like a lot of really good buzz and like a lot of people talking about it and then i felt like the second season of altered carbon nobody was talking about at all oh guess what happened with that Mm, oh the lead character wasn't a white dude yeah do you think it's because of anthony mackie i mean that's totally possible like it could totally i I mean i don't want to discredit that theory i just also think it's interesting to see like how much stuff isn't grabbing people although it's well made or well constructed or whatever like my personal beef with altered carbon was that i read the book and i thought the book was like a million times more interesting than the show so i stopped watching the show but it's just one of those things where it's like, what are we talking about? Like, we're not talking about like any of this stuff. <laughs> like, why not? Like, Mr. Robot was huge. And then it felt like the final season just happened and then it was over and like it wasn't, you know, so it's just it's interesting to see what people do still gravitate toward and then the backlash for certain things. But we've also talked about how it felt like Game of Thrones, like Game of Thrones was only a year ago, but it feels like its cultural impact is like totally gone. So I I do think we're also just dealing right now with like things drop and then they wrap and we just don't talk about it It anymore. It was too bad. It was too terrible. It ruined Mm -hmm. the show. When you have people like me going out saying like the entire thing was now a waste of time. And a lot of people really like, Y'all spent years on this and that's how you ended this. And then yeah. we got to watch a documentary where like all the actors are like, yo, this was like, bad. And then you <laughs> see them talk about it before. Like, oh, it's going to be great. Like, oh, like that killed its cultural significance. Like, yeah, the last show that I think HBO had that was really big that ended on a whimper that wasn't even that bad. is true blood because it went too long. It but, did go too long. But you could go back and think like, yo, but yo, Trubler had a couple of good things going for it. Like it had a it had a good four seasons that was like, all right, yeah, this was next level. This was this got you in there. It was a perfect summer show. Game of Thrones upended all the themes that it was dealing with. And then we also know it's based on books. We also know the, the books didn't finish. We also know there's a possibility this isn't how it's supposed to end. And we also know that these dudes just didn't want to do it anymore and they wanted to go make Star Wars and then you fucked up so bad that now you don't get to make Star Wars. Which has its own problems with its new trilogy but luckily it has TV people making good shit out of it. So, yeah, I think that was Game of Thrones would be something to really really looked back at especially like in like five to ten years from now is like Yo, what happened with this could have been like the dopest shit of all time. Like, yeah, yeah. Like what went down? And honestly, like what is curious to me is that like, I don't know. I don't know how to say this nicely. Um, I mean, like Jonathan Nolan for like all the crap that people give Westworld, which like, you know. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing, whatever. But like Jonathan Nolan, as you said about the Batman movies, like pretty much his entire career has been wrapped up in these questions of like, how do you as an individual operate within a system that is fucked? 
right? And like that's why Batman worked because mm-hmm. in Batman Begins, you had the question of Ra's al Ghul being like, no, you have to destroy Gotham. You have to destroy it to be able to rebuild it. In Dark Knight, you had all the questions about like security and surveillance and essentially Batman breaking the law and like violating the trust of Gotham to be able to stop the Joker. And then in Dark Knight Rises, you had like an existential threat within Bane who did essentially take the city hostage. So Mm -hmm. it's like all of those concepts, like all of those are like interlinked ideas that Nolan has been exploring in pretty much everything he does. Whereas it's like with Benioff and Weiss and how they approached Game of Thrones, like I don't know what they're interested in thematically. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what like their calling card is or what spoke to them about Game of Thrones. Like and so I think it's very interesting to now look back on Game of Thrones and realize that like Seems like they really didn't know what the fuck they were doing a good amount of the time Mm -hmm. and lucked and lucked into stuff and had a very strong technical team and strong cast that were able to sell what they were doing. But it's like that's why, like, even when they got the Star Wars deal, I was like, I don't even know what they would be interested in doing within the Star Wars universe. You know what I mean? Whereas it's like Jonathan Nolan or like Sam Esmail and like homecoming and mr robot like those are also dealing with similar like serious similar themes yeah Yeah. so it's like i can understand if like these shows aren't your bag but you have to at least respect that they are creators who have specific points of view and are giving you different perspectives for that point of view And so it's like, I am curious, I think, as to how Westworld wraps, because I think it needs to wrap. Like, I don't know how much longer you can, like, explore these ideas. But it it is curious to me because this season was the most straightforward they've done. So I wonder, like, do they keep it straightforward for season four, which I guess we're getting in, like, two years? Or do you think they say, fuck it, and they go full puzzle because it's the last season and they're just going to do whatever they want like what do you personally think we're going to get out of the last i know we're calling it the last but what do you think we'll get out of the next season uh i think we're going to get a very mad max s movie i mean well show i think the world is going to be i still think they base a lot of what they do off of um of video game thematics and iconography and the wasteland fallen society game is a thing and it'll be something to wrap up uh hopefully they'll they'll wrap up their ideas in terms of of the nature of self and what freedom is and and the ideas that that are basically from what we saw in michael crichton's book and what he also does in jurassic park into this last season like i i think that what they they're good at is taking ideas from previous works and flip and flipping it into something else while still staying true to it, which something Game of Thrones wasn't able to do. But that's I think it'll be Westworld again because the regular world or America is going to look like the wilderness of the park. Right. And we never got to see the other parks. I kind of want to see, like, Game of Thrones Park and, and, and other park. Like, I don't know. I, I wonder if we'll get that. It's like, just bring the robot dragons out, goddammit. Um, and that was something that was, like, very interesting to me about, like, the second season. Because we did get some of that glimpse into the other parks. And so with this one, we did get the Park 5 World War Wait, World War Two Park. Yeah. So it's like we got so this season we got World War Two. The last season we got India. Right. Because wasn't it like the Tigers and there was like a whole like Indian. We saw a little bit of of like like when when Britain ruled India. But the most part was like Samurai, which again goes into my my video game thing. What's a big part of video games? Japan What's a major Mm -hmm. thing that we like from Japan. Samurais and ninjas. When we Mm -hmm. get to when we get into this season, what's a really big video game type? World War II shooting game. What's another big thing? Modern warfare shooting game. Like, 
Like I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm picking apart every single thing you guys are doing because I got 30 years of playing video games and I know what you guys are working off of. But so the the wild the buy the 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 wilderness world game, the post society game is a big game, and I think that's what they're gonna play off of. I think that's a good point. And I think you know, like pulling from video games has always made sense to me because like that experience does blur the line between reality and performance in a way that like movies and TV don't, you know, like in a video game, like you are actually in charge somewhat in what's happening, but you do also get set on a certain path because like video games are designed to go a certain way. So I have thought that it's always pretty smart for them to copy like the story beats from video games and like the structure of that in the show. I just also wonder, like, I don't think that in the same way that Dolores's motivations and Maeve's motivations couldn't sync up necessarily, Mm -hmm. like you couldn't have them coexist. I do wonder how this show ends in terms of, who gets to exist? Like, would they go as far as to say that like hosts and humans could live together or do we go down a road where it's only one or the other? Like, you know, like I don't know because they did sort of do a good job in talking about how like humanity has mostly destroyed the world. So it's curious to me as to what they end up doing in terms of like, do we go off world? Do we just rebuild our current world? Like, I don't know. Like, you know for as much as it felt like season three got like a good amount of flack i do think it sort of opened up some interesting avenues i just also agree with you that i don't think the show can last past another season yeah they'll push it even if they go two more if they do two more short seasons like they did with this one even then it's like this is a lot but okay yeah yeah, it, I mean, it is. It is a lot because I think the way that they've set it up, like there are places that they can go, but I don't know what specific journeys these characters can go on anymore. If that like if that makes sense. Yeah. Like to, you know, for people who might be listening to this, it's like there was a certain point where you're watching the Marvel movies and, you know, they got to fight Thanos. Like we've, we got through all the middle part, like. They, he got to collect the gems and, and, and ruin stuff and then they got to beat him up. You know, that's the easiest example I can use for people now. I used to be able to use Star Wars, but that's messed up. Um, but yeah, you know, Star Trek never worked that way. So there's no end goal in Star Trek. So yeah, I mean, I think for sci-fi think, world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things like I know that you and I disagree on rise of skywalker and how that story ended but i think for me it's like it just left me without an interest in where the universe goes so like that's one of those things that i feel like star trek in a way has done better because like star trek had so many different shows that were led by so many different characters diverse characters like deep space nine is still the fucking shit it had black people it dared to have black people on star trek like decades ago so like for me i just sometimes feel like star trek did a better job with characters who weren't white And yet I feel like the newest Star Wars trilogy, I feel like you really felt that it wasn't guided by one voice or one plan. So it just, it's just, so it's just, it doesn't like, it doesn't work for me in terms of like Finn's journey or Poe's journey. Like, it's just weird to think about. And it just sucks because it's it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, I just, I don't know where that story goes. So to go back to our previous discussion about like, at at least like Nolan has a specific voice. It's like, I don't think that Westworld will end in a way where we're like, what the fuck was that? I think it'll at least end in a way that it syncs up with what has come before. Yeah. And that's a good way to end it. So um, let the people know how to find you because you write for more stuff now. 
Yeah. I mean, you can just find me on Twitter. Um, it's Roxana, R-O-X-A-N-A underscore Hadadi, H-A-D-A-D-I. Um, you can see my stuff in Pajiba. Every so often I write for the AV Club or I contribute to RogerEbert.com or Brightwall Dark Room. You know, it's whatever. But Twitter's probably the easiest way. It's where you can see me ask her about random white women and also fight about the fact that I hate The Last Jedi. Yeah, I also don't really defend <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker. That is Ryan Johnson's only trash movie, but because he doesn't, he doesn't Man. know Star Wars. It's okay, oh. and this is coming from a Star Wars hater and villain. And I say he doesn't know Star Wars. Man, and now I don't even attack you. Now I just like attack the people you share because I think they know <laughs> they know less than you do. So and and they should do better and I want everyone to do more homework. Oh man. Ooh. That was a it's lot. out there. It's out there. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot to end it on. We were keeping it pretty civil and then you were like, actually no. Well, no, do, you're cool. You're great. Yeah. But some of the yeah. people you share, I'll kick them down a hole. But uh <laughs> Okay. You'll you'll bane them down the hole. <laughs> yes. I am the darkness. Yeah, okay. I was born in it. But yeah, Rocky, oh, okay. thanks for coming on to talk about Westworld as you're the, the only person I know I could talk to about it. Cause no problem, man. I no appreciate it. No one watched the show, but but us. Yeah, <laughs> just us, the two of us. <laughs> All right, you have a, a great rest of your day in the, right, in the COVID era. All right, and you too. Stay safe. Be, be safe out there. All right. All right, Peace. bye. Bye.